Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Med Family. I am your host, Eric Acker. As promised last week, our guest today is going to be none other than Matthew Barvo. He is a fourth year medical student with Trinity School of Medicine. He is a guy I've known since I started medical school, and he's been a wealth of knowledge ever since. He also is a father and husband. He's he's a great resource, and this is this interview is just going to be a, basically a, an information dump, and I think you're going to really enjoy it if you're curious about some of the ins and outs of fourth-year medical school, residency application, the interview, step two. This is the episode to definitely listen to because he's got all that information. Here today with Matthew Barvo, uh, kind of high-demand, fourth, a fourth-year medical student, bringing you in because like you're... You, most of my knowledge, most of my information I get and I talk about is comes from you, essentially, because you're, okay. you're kind of the encyclopedia of all things Trinity. Great. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, before I wanted to get into some of these questions, just kind of wanted to read a quick exchange we had on text message, because this is a picture of kind of how lucky I am to have this interview and to kind of highlight something right at the onset. So you had sent me like maybe a couple weeks ago, like just a, a picture of my week. Tomorrow I have a rotation. I leave home at 4 a.m. in the morning. I arrived back at 6 p.m. Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We're in Valdosta? Yeah, Valdosta is a town where I interviewed for a residency spot. I'm applying to internal medicine residency. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so you went on to say, like, you're in-person meet and greet. You race home Wednesday evening. Your daughter's Bible study. Thursday, you're back in rotation. Friday, <laughs> yep. different program. On top of that, you have family time, completing with uh, online portion of ACLS, BLS, uh, and PALS. Mm-hmm. And then um, you have to prioritize family whenever you're not in clinic, et cetera. Exactly. And I, I wanted to kind of highlight that because that's kind of the big part of like me, me and Karen's podcast is just it's a family podcast and like how important family is to getting yes. <laughs> getting through medical school. Sure. C- could you just, yeah, if you're able to respond, uh, how, how has being married and having a family affected you during the school process? Well, honestly, from even before medical school to during the basic sciences, having a family made a huge impact on me. It made me more determined to pass my classes. It made me more studious during my time when I was actually taking the preclinical sciences because I had a family to get home to. So I treated it a lot more like work and I uh, was able to spend my time more focused studying instead of kind of slacking off being on my phone or <laughs> something or, or or chatting it up. I, I w- had to be very focused and very disciplined so I could get home to the family and, and actually, uh, you know, not only succeed in my medical studies, but also be a good dad and a good husband. Do you find it mostly pros or any... Absolutely. You know, having those after hours, uh, like when you're not a student, to be able to come home and leave that student life behind and be a family man is so refreshing. It really is. That's awesome. All right. So I want to jump into some of these questions. I know I sent you a list of them. So yeah. So we're talking mostly today. I, I, I would love to have you back on some other time to talk about more of your history because I think you got a lot. But sure. we 
want to tackle, I guess, the, the hot topics today, which yeah. uh, you're in match and doing yes. the ER, ERAS or ERAS yeah. application. Yeah. Pretty much don't have a lot of information myself. So, sure. so you're, so, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Just a, just a basic timeline when you, uh, midway through your third year of rotation, so it's four years, you have your first two years of preclinicals and then the last two years are in the clinic uh, or in the hospital doing rotations in various uh, specialties. Now, midway through your third year, you should know what specialty you want to apply to. <laughs> in my case, I uh, I knew I wanted to do internal medicine, thankfully, from the time I started medical school. So it made things a lot easier. So you schedule out your fourth year rotations, and you begin the process of applying to residency. So in July, as an international student, the um, ERAS system opens up to where you can actually start building out your CV and okay. adding, you know, your personal biographical data to it, your research, your community service, your work experience, your hobbies, any awards that you've won as a student, things like that. So that, that starts in July. Then you can, sorry, just cutting back. You're interested in internal medicine. Mm -hmm. Are you, I think last I talked to you about, your interest, you were thinking GI track? Is that still Yeah, so that's, that it would be after internal medicine. That's a fellowship of, of internal medicine. So that is definitely something I'm considering. Yeah. Oh, okay. I also like hospital medicine, which is general internal medicine in the hospital setting. Oh, okay. So as far as like getting that application, you start building it out. Mm -hmm. I, I, but just backing up just a little bit, like step two. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know there's a bunch of questions I had from other classmates is like, when the time step to what's is there anything that we need to do in preparation to be able to register for step two so unlike scheduling step one which required us to pass the comprehensive basic sciences exam from nbme for step two we just have to have a passing score on each of the shelf exams so during your third year you'll take family medicine, pediatrics, OBGYN, internal medicine, general surgery, psychiatry. And each one of those has a shelf exam. They're about 110 questions long and you have to do well on them to pass. And once you do and you've passed all six of those, you can actually enroll and take step two. So that's the... Is there a, a time lag in between like, so you take your, like for me, my last shelf is going to be surgery. Sure. I'll take my surgery uh, shelf. I'll get a hopefully a passing score, mm -hmm. and then so I reach out to the school to get the okay, so, or do I just go to? You just uh, go directly on to Oasis and you schedule it through there, or what? I think it was through Oasis is okay. how you schedule it. Um, There's not like a or, major time lag or anything like that. No, nope. So according to our dean, uh, Dr. Purcell, and the research that she's done. Ideally, between two and four weeks after you finish your third year rotations is when you want to take step two. And the reason why is because step two is heavily based on the material that you cover in your shelf exams. And sure. having that material fresh in your brain and then building off of it with that UWorld questions and doing practice exams, two to four weeks is ideal. So for instance, oh, okay. what I did, I finished also with my surgery rotation, but I had it scheduled to where my last three weeks of the rotation was the virtual rotation. Oh, nice. So I used that time to not only study for the surgery shelf, but studying for the surgery shelf at the same time that I was studying for step two. 
Oh, so that cut that cut three weeks off exactly. of your Exactly. Okay. So after that surgery shelf, I did a very intense focused study just for step two for two weeks, and then I took step two. What does what does that look like? Just a condensed version, not like a long version. But what is it? What is your intense step two? More focus on you world, only on general uh, step two uh, content, as opposed to focusing more on the surgical prep side, okay. and also doing the practice exams. So doing the you world uh, practice exam number one and number two, and doing the free one twenty exam where the oh the they have a free one twenty for step two as well. They do. Okay. Yeah. So Good there's a free one twenty, and if you take it on the internet, it actually is the same interface that you would do in, in at the Prometric Center. Okay. Cool. So taking step two, we've gotten, mm-hmm. uh, we're building out the application. So you've submitted the application. I, I'm assuming they go live, like I think end of September is what I've heard. Yep. So this year it was September 29th. Previous years, last year it was late October. And then before that, before COVID hit, it was September 1st was generally when the application oh, would wow. go out. Okay. So things have been extended. But... The big thing is, is not only are you thinking about that, but you also have to think about building out your elective schedule, which starts after your third rotation of third year. So after you've completed three rotations, you want to be sitting down with our Dean of Clerkships and speaking with him about your fourth year schedule and getting that built out because it takes the coordinator's time to find us a spot at each of these rotations. And it also, ideally, about six months before, if you want to schedule any away rotations, like for instance, I scheduled two away rotations, one at a hospital in Georgia and one in Florida. And both of those took about six months time to prepare for and complete the paperwork that was necessary to get the credentials to rotate there. Well, I, I think the first the one in Florida is at Larkin. Yep, that's okay. right. At Larkin and Hospital. What was the one in Georgia? Georgia was Navicent Hospital. Navicent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you just did two away, or yep, that was uh, that was all that uh, I wanted to schedule because uh, those were two programs that I was very interested in and uh, wanted to get to know them a little bit more and um, and see kind of how things work. And that's the beauty of fourth year is that you know you're going to get interviews at places that you've rotated at and also at places that you haven't rotated at, and you never know which program you're going to really fall in love with until. You know, you either interview there or you rotate there. And oh, okay. especially for some rotations, if it's maybe a more competitive program or a competitive specialty and you want to show them what you got, doing that away rotation can be really helpful to secure that interview. Yeah. So once the application drops and goes to the programs, how, how yep. fast do things start happening? Like can, imagine you're already in your electives yes, at this point. Yes, yep. So I've already started electives, but... So my my application went out on September 29th, and ideally you want it submitted. You can submit it the day before, and it'll just wait in the inbox of the program. And then on the 29th at, I think it's 9 a.m., programs can actually access your application. Some programs will download all the applications that have been submitted by opening bell, and not look anymore at any other applications. So you want to have that submitted ideally a day or two before it goes live. So that way you're in that first block of students. So that's like everything done. Step two yep. score, uploaded, yeah. step one score, all your letters. Exactly. So for pretty much every specialty, you're going to need at least three letters of recommendation. 
you want those ideally in the specialty that you're applying to. Exceptions to that would be if, let's say, you're applying to family medicine, where maybe you have a family medicine letter, but then because family medicine is so broad, you could have a surgery letter or OBGYN or pediatrics letter or even internal medicine because family medicine is such kind of an uh, encompassing, all-encompassing specialty. Mm -hmm. Whereas for internal medicine or psychiatry or surgery, having those specific letters from internists or psychiatrists or surgeons makes the difference when they're really reading through your application. Okay. So for for you as the applicant, September 30th, the 29th came and went. When did you start hearing things? So I had my first invite on the first day. Uh, It was such a surprise when, (laughs) uh, you know, it was about uh, one o'clock in the afternoon and you get an email from ERAS and it says, you have a new invite from this program. And it was very exciting to see that. And then that first week I had three interview invites by the second week, I think I got two or three more, and right now I've received a total of eight invites. Okay. So have you, are you, do you accept all of them? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you do, but maybe there's time conflicts and whatnot. But So for most programs, you actually, they invite you and you have a list of dates that you can pick to interview oh, okay. at. Some programs will give you an exact date and say, hey, it's at this time, here's the Zoom link. But most programs will give you a list from October, November, December, January, February of, you know, testing dates or interview dates, rather, that you can sit with. So I was able to build out my interview schedule, and I've been able to sit for all of my interviews. That's awesome. Some of our classmates have received, you know, over 20 invites. And in certain specialties like family medicine, where, you know, they early on will send out a lot of applications. So in those cases, you may need to, you know, maybe select the ones that you truly want to interview with. But for me, I took the time early on to pick the programs that I was really interested in. So that way, if I got any invites, I knew that I was interested in the program already and would have been happy to match at any of the programs I've been invited to. So uh, I want to, I do want to get to the interview in just a, a little bit, but mm-hmm. also you're doing your electives. Like how are you, how do you balance yeah. like doing these interviews and then going to the, doing your electives? Like, yeah. is there some sort of forgiveness for missing days and times or how's that work? So that's the nice thing about fourth year is the preceptors are generally very accommodating because, you know, we call it residency, but really that is our first doctor job and we're applying for a job that we're being employed by a hospital or a university for three years of time. And if you were in school, you know, studying for your MBA, for instance, and you had a job offer with Goldman Sachs, they're going to let you out of lecture (laughs) that day to go to the interview because that's your career. So every place that I've rotated with has been very supportive and they understand that this is my career and this is my life. And they were in our shoes not too long ago, you know, in in some cases it was long ago, but in the most part, you know, within the past 20 years, they've all been in our shoes. They know that we need to sit for these interviews and it's not like a program's going to pick us if we don't. And so we, we have to attend those interviews. So generally at the beginning of the rotation, or if I get an invite, I try and schedule it with enough lead time that I can tell my preceptor, Hey, I have an interview on this date. I'll be back the next day. And 
most interviews are actually all day. You know, I've oh, had yeah? I've had interviews that were eight hours long, where you're <laughs> going through hospital tours, meeting with up to seven faculty members, wow. going to meet and greets with the residents, and it's an all day thing. And beyond that, you have to you know, shower, get your suit on, <laughs> uh, be prepared, have your camera and your computer and your microphone and ring lamp all set up and ready to go for that interview. It takes some considerable amount of time. So having that whole day to prepare is helpful. Okay. How many of the, your interviews have you had virtual versus how many have you been go in person? Mm-hmm. So I had seven virtual and one in person. Okay. And also, another program that I did the virtual interview had a secondary, a second look, essentially, okay. where they invite you down to the hospital, they put you in a hotel, you have dinner the night before, and then they take you on a tour of the hospital to kind of show you the facility. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, that's really yeah. nice. And Was it the Val, Valdosta? Yep. So this was a new program through Mercer University in, in Valdosta. It's the, the brand new program that they have. And... Uh, very nice faculty down there, and it's a great hospital. And it sounds like these interviews, they vary quite a bit. So what's, mm-hmm. uh, what's the, I guess, general meat and potatoes of the interview? Yeah. I guess let's go with virtual first. Um, sure. For virtual, what, what's, you, you log into your Zoom link, obviously. Yeah. So you log into your Zoom link, and generally there will be anywhere from four to ten other applicants in the Zoom meeting with you. And then you get sent into breakout rooms. So you'll be in this kind of general waiting room area with the program coordinator, kind of chatting it up for a little bit of time. (laughs) Then the program director will come in and usually do an introduction and he or she will talk to you for a little while and usually about a half an hour and introduce the program to you, kind of give you their pitch. And then you get sent into breakout rooms sometimes with two or three other faculty members. So, you know, you might hop in with the assistant program director, then you come back out to the general waiting area, then you go back in with an attending, then you come back out, then with another attending, and then maybe with the program director at the end, or maybe you meet with the program director first. But they kind of pop you in and out of these groups. And then usually at the end, there will be a big room where you actually meet with the residents that are in the program and they kind of chat back and forth with you and answer more candidly about the program taking how long how long is that actually how is that, is that eight hours as well each one's different so okay. i've had some interviews that have been an hour and a half where you meet with one attending for 20 minutes you come out you meet with the program coordinator for 20 minutes and then they say okay thank you and some are very quick some are all day where you start out meeting the program director in a general meet and greet and then you meet with some residents and you attend a grand rounds where it's basically like a hour or two long lecture and they kind of show you how their teaching goes at that program and then you meet with the residents and then you start your faculty interviews so it can (laughs) it can be anywhere from an hour and a half to eight hours but the nice thing is is about a day or two before they actually will send you an itinerary of who you're meeting with and what the day kind of looks like for you so you can anticipate that i I think when you were describing all that my biggest nervousness came from like you said that you're going to be in a big room with a bunch of other applicants mm-hmm. with a program coordinator and i taking mm-hmm. into account all the advice i've ever been given which is as soon as you step foot on the property you're mm-hmm. always being interviewed so like yes 
I, my, a little bit of anxiety goes <laughs> out there. It was like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be like yeah. eight or ten other applicants sitting yeah. there, and like how you and I'm having flashbacks to my first medical school interview at a at a U.S. <laughs> medical school where it was like a hundred applicants in the room, and you're yeah. everyone's trying to vie for a little bit of an attention and mm-hmm. a little bit of good grace from any of the coordinators. And yeah. you know what's know. really what's really surprising about these Zoom interviews is you'd be surprised that let's say there's eight applicants total interviewing that day. Two will have their camera off. One will be sitting there on mute. Another one will have a messy background, like an unmade bed or some clothes hanging behind them. And one that uh, is just kind of, you know, they're ready to go. And so, <laughs> so, so you have a very broad range of people. And you can definitely tell that if you show up and you have a nice background, a clear camera that gets a good picture of your face and, you know, upper torso. You're sitting there smiling. You're ready to go. You have your camera on, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> you have your cam- your microphone unmuted. And you're ready to just kind of banter with people and, and be that, you know, smiling face on their little thumbnail. It's going to make a huge difference in how you're perceived by the program because, again, you'll have people with their camera off. And the program director will come on and be like, oh, is, you know, John Smith here? And then the camera will flash on. They'll be like, I'm here. And then the camera turns back off. And you go, well, why are you even here? <laughs> you're just audio only, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Uh, so, nothing to be intimidated about. Okay. And, uh, and, so I know we talked about it before we turned the mics on, but uh, and mm-hmm. you mentioned just here. So it sounds like if you're going to have a camera set up, make sure the field of, field of view is yes. clean and neat. Exactly. No Good messy. <laughs> yeah. No messy beds behind you. No bookshelves or kitchens behind you, and definitely no advertisements for maybe other programs that you're interviewing oh, with or <laughs> you know have the pen for a drug company that a drug rep came into the clinic let's say and you oh. use their pen you want to just be very neutral just have a nice outfit business professional you know like i wore a suit with a tie and a full button up and definitely wear pants because some programs <laughs> will have you stand up. Seriously? Um, yeah. Oh, there's, okay. There's been times I've had to show them my shoes and socks before. It's definitely something that. Uh, I, I would have you. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask you if you like you because you have those all those videos online when people mm-hmm. like don't wear they wear pajamas yeah. or boxes or whatever. That happens. I'm yeah. actually I'm surprised that programs will make you stand up. I imagine that could be. There could be some embarrassing moments there. That yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> and our uh, dean of clerkships actually tells a story about how along uh, or last cycle, one of our former classmates was uh, in the interview. They had everybody stand up, and he was wearing some red boxer shorts. Oh no! And then the camera feed <laughs> went away. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but oh, I wouldn't no. want to find out. <laughs> I know this is totally speculation, but do you think programs are going to? As I don't know if COVID is going to get worse or better, so I'm not going to speculate mm-hmm. on that. But do you think programs are going to go more towards this Zoom interviewing style, or do you think they're going to eventually go back to the in person? Do you have a sense of where the programs are, are aiming? I think it's going to be specialty specific, and I think it's going to be program specific. For instance, it seems like programs in Florida, for the most part, have gone back to in person okay. uh, interviews. And that's just from talking to classmates and friends that have interviewed in Florida. And my interview in Florida was in person as well. Um, 
I do think it's program specific because again, it, it could be in person, but I really think that these Zoom meetings have caught on and it's saving programs money and it's saving applicants money. And I think not only that, but it's so much more efficient. So at least from talking to program directors that I know, they really like the the virtual setting because they haven't found any limitations on being able to kind of ascertain who a good applicant is or who's conversational by being over the computer any more different than being hmm. in person. Okay. So. You mentioned maybe a day before they send you an itinerary. Mm -hmm. And then I'm assuming you look up the people you're going to talk to. Um, sure. Because that's part of your, your process. So what, what are some of, I guess, your strengths or weaknesses in some of these interviews? What, if you had to reflect back on your last eight or so interviews, what are some of your strengths that you would say? As far as for me or yeah, for, for the you. programs? For you, most of it, and then we can talk about programs as well. Well, one thing that I was really surprised with is, at least for my applications in, in internal medicine, I was really surprised that the interviewers really focus more on just wanting to get to know me. And that was really nice because... They didn't focus on, hey, tell me the significance of this research or tell me the journal that you published this in or who was the third co-author, you know, and, and what uh, vein is this? Uh, give me a, oh, um, <laughs> some uh, internal medicine interviews, for instance, will do clinical scenarios where they want you to work through a hypothetical patient. And I haven't had any of those. I've had more just very conversational interviews where they want to know what I like to eat for dinner or, hmm. oh, do you like to tell me about your golf game or uh, <laughs> things like that. You're you know, much just, better golf game than I do. Yeah, but. <laughs> just uh, trying to get to know me as a person because they want to see if I would fit in with their program. And and I've really enjoyed that. I It's been very lighthearted, a lot of laughing, a lot of just getting to know each other. And, and it's been great. I, I, get the, do, I do get the sense that a lot of this is they're hiring on, you know, the first year doctors, mm -hmm. they're gonna have to train you. So they I guess they want to know if you're trainable, mm -hmm. and then they, you're going to be working for them and yep. working with them. And yeah. they want to make sure that you know, you're going to be a good co worker. Yep. If you have an option to choose your co worker, you want to yes. choose a good one. Exactly. Uh, and you know, that is true. They are looking for people they want to work with. And that holds true for any specialty you're on. The other big thing is, is knowing who your letter of recommendation writers are and if they can write a strong letter for you. Because if they can display your clinical ability in that letter, maybe there will be less questions about that in your interview. Mm. The same as if you don't have any research on your application, maybe they're going to ask about your ability to do research because... Research is an ACGME requirement during residency. You have to, most programs require at least one, if not more. Oh, okay. one, is, one is the minimum for ACGME requirements to do either a quality improvement study, a case report, or some sort of publication in order to graduate residency. And that is for every specialty. However, I've interviewed at programs that want you to do one project minimum each year. So that would be three uh, publications. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> so if you have no interview or if you have no research or maybe you have no volunteerism or no leadership, those are things that they want to see like, Hey, we're going to be future leaders in the hospital setting. How are you going to handle yourself if you've never held a leadership position before? Or how will you give back to the community if you've never volunteered? But if you come in with a more well-rounded application, 
then they can just get to know you as a person. Wow. Yeah. What's um, changing to a different, uh, slightly different question, but what in your experience has made a good interview versus what has made a bad, maybe not as great of an interview? I don't want to, obviously don't want to call out any programs or anything like that. But. Sure. Each program is going to be a little bit different. Like I was mentioning before, some are very quick interviews, like maybe an hour to two hours, and some will be all day. And generally, those programs are basing it off of what they want to display to you. So if you're there for eight hours, you're there the whole time watching lectures or doing hospital tours or meeting with faculty or residents. So each program, it's not so much a strength or a weakness. It's more just specific to that residency and what they want to display to you. Mm -hmm. And I think I've liked each interview that I've gone on. I, and it is tough when you're sitting there and only your face is on the camera and you're sitting there with a smile for, you know, eight hours. But overall, it is, it's been a great experience overall. Okay. I, everyone, I think every fourth year I've maybe talked to has had different strategies on how they're going to do, because I think after you do your interview, you get an mm -hmm. option to rank the programs. And everyone has kind of a different strategy of how they plan to rank. Uh, what, mm. What's yours? Or All right. So ranking happens, I believe it's at the end of February, possibly early March. Maybe like March 2nd, I think, is the deadline to okay. rank. So we don't even get access to the ranking software. That's actually through a website called NRMP. And you have to also sign up for that as well. So of the fees that you spend money on applying to residency, you can account for that as well. I oh, think it's okay. like $80 to so sign up for NRMP. It's totally separate, but definitely yep. you have to do. Yep. Okay. So ERAS <laughs> is the application. That's the electronic residency application system or software or whatever it is. And that's where you put together your application. And that's where you actually pick the programs that you're going to apply to and submit the application. Okay. NRMP is the National Residency Matching Program oh that actually is the algorithm that sorts you into a spot, kind of like Harry Potter style. Cool. And how you do that is after you've interviewed at programs, if you have a favorite one, that will be your number one rank. And you can pick your favorite based on anything that you as the applicant want, um, whether it's geography or maybe the name of the program or maybe the city that it's in or maybe there's an attending that you really love there and you really want to work with them through your whole residency, you could rank them first. And then down the list and you can exclude programs from your ranking list, but ideally you would rank every program that you've interviewed in from one to however many you've interviewed at. So what, what is your top three considerations for a ranking? For me, I think what is really important is the community, if it is more a family-friendly community, because, you know, having two kids, I want to make sure that it's in a safe or in a, in a fun area that is a family-friendly area. Okay. Um, beyond that, Excellence in training. I think that knowing that they have a high board pass rate is very important. Some programs don't. Some programs do. Some, oh, okay. every single graduate will, will pass the, the boards. And also knowing that the hospital is large enough and has enough subspecialty training that you will be the best internist that you can be at the end of training. Oh, okay. um, 
Finally, I think that, uh, you know, some of the creature comforts of the city, like I wanted to know that there was maybe a Costco close by or <laughs> some place that has good schools for my daughters and low crime rates. Things like that were heavily considered for me. And then finally, looking at programs that have fellowships of interest, because generally if a program has fellowships, they are going to be a stronger program because they're able to train not only that specialty but also subspecialties as well is, so, is there an advantage like if you said you want to go in the gi if you have mm-hmm. a program that has a fellowship in gi absolutely probably an advantage to just they already know you so it's yeah. a little bit easier to it's, get possibly it, that fellowship especially for more competitive fellowships whether you're looking at fellowships out of surgery or internal medicine even family medicine Knowing that there is a fellowship in-house significantly increases your chance at matching. Not necessarily at that program, but having access to a program director in that specialty opens doors for you because they can write you a letter of recommendation when you apply to fellowship that helps you when you apply, kind of break down those barriers as opposed to going to a program that doesn't have a fellowship of interest that maybe you'd have to do a little bit more footwork. Okay, great. Yeah, that's great. There's a couple more questions here. And I think you might have answered this one. These are some questions that some of my classmates had submitted. So I think mm-hmm. when you have a meeting with Dr. Uh, Zubru, who I think is the dean of yep. uh, life, I think you said that's about yep. after your third yep. or probably so, about six months until your end. Yeah, so basically midway through your third year, If you know what specialty you want to do and you're on the normal track, so for instance, starting your rotations before September, let's say, of that year. So if you start, you know, in the May, June, July, August timeframe, that means that most likely you'll be on track to apply for residency the following year. What you'll want to do is is set a meeting with our Dean of Clerkships, Dr. Zubro, and actually tell him kind of what specialty you're interested in and what electives you're interested in. So in my case, I wanted to do more IM subspecialty rotations because I want to be the best general internist I can be. (laughs) And knowing the training in cardiology, kidneys, GI, hospital medicine, inpatient, outpatient, those are things that are going to make me a better and more well-rounded internist and help me once I start residency. So for these electives, uh, just tagging off of that, did you do sub-I's or did you just do straight electives? Mm -hmm. Uh, So ideally, your first rotation of electives would be a sub-I. And essentially what that is, is it's in your specialty of interest. So my sub-I was in internal medicine with our chair, with Trinity's chair of internal medicine. So I was for four weeks with Dr. Lomboy. Oh, okay. He's a uh, inpatient, outpatient doctor in Perry. Very and <laughs> he is our chair of internal medicine. For instance, like for family medicine, it's Dr. Tobby. Uh, for surgery, I think it's Dr. Rogers. And just kind of to name a few. And you would want to do a sub-internship with that preceptor. And essentially what they're going to do is give you the responsibilities of an intern, a first-year resident. Okay. And they want to see that you are ready for residency. And they will put you to the test for that duration of your rotation, 
less on the teaching side that it would have been if you were a third year student and more on the, hey, go see these patients, make the notes, put in the charges, put in the, oh, the orders for <laughs> medications, and these are your patients and we want to see that you know what you're doing. And they obviously always have their eye on you and they're watching you, but it's not so much a teaching opportunity as it is a demonstrate to us that you are ready for residency in this field. Did you get, did you get to do any like procedures or whatnot while you were in the sub eye? Like did, would they ever like, Oh, go ahead and start a central line on this patient or anything like that. So because it was a more inpatient outpatient rotation with Dr. Lomboy and I'm applying internal medicine. Mm -hmm. Generally the procedures on the IM side are very limited as far as maybe doing joint injections or doing sure. uh, things like that. I did joint injections, knees, hips, things like that. But as far as starting any lines or doing anything like that, the scope of the rotation didn't really cover okay. that. However, we were at one of the peaks of COVID and I was managing several patients in the hospital that were mm -hmm. in the ICU or on the general floor that were in distress from COVID mm -hmm. and got a lot of practice with that. So. Did you do your core with Dr. Lomboy as well? I did. Some people do like with Dr. Shekharapa. Yeah, Dr. Shekharapa was who I did my core rotation Thank with you. for three weeks. And he's an amazing internist in Warner Robins. And he also starts his day off at the hospital at Houston Medical Center, seeing his own patients that have been hospitalized. And then you transition to the hospital in the afternoon. Okay. And yeah, that rotation is going to uh -huh. teach you so much. And it's highly recommended. Yeah. So, so this sub-eye was very different from that rotation. Then. Yes, I mean, absolutely it was. Because I was almost like Dr. Lomboy's right-hand man in this rotation because he was seeing his patients, I was seeing my patients, and I was in the eClinic work software, putting in charges, ordering medications, uh, scheduling procedures as if I was, you know, Dr. Lomboy. And then at the end of the day, we would review the patients and, and go from there. But it was, okay. it was very intense and very... Um, very rewarding too. That's four weeks then. Yes. Yeah, so okay. you get 27 weeks total that uh, you do for your elective rotations during fourth year. And luckily at our school, we actually get to pick every rotation that we do. There are no required rotations for fourth year currently. I don't know if it will change, but some schools require you to do like a rural rotation or emergency medicine. At our school, we can actually pick whatever rotations we want as long as they're approved by Dr. Zubro. So for instance, if I, uh, wanting to apply to internal medicine, would have put neurosurgery on my list, he probably would have wondered why and wanted me to explain why I want to do that. Oh, okay. But the nice thing about fourth year is if you know what you want to do, there's no limitations. If I wanted to do a surgery rotation or a urology rotation or a wound, uh, wound care rotation, those would all be fine because most likely I'm never going to step foot in an operating room for the rest of my career. So if wow. I want one more time <laughs> in the operating room, which I don't, but <laughs> if, <laughs> if I did, I could have scheduled something there 
to kind of get that last little taste of the operating room before I transition to the yeah. medical side. Well, if you wanted to maybe a better appreciation, like for neurology, if you're like, mm-hmm. well, why would you do neurology? Like, well, I'm not yep. going to be a neurologist, but just a little bit more appreciation yep. exactly. for that level of medicine. And, you know, for internal medicine, you could do ones in neurology, dermatology, emergency medicine. All of those would be applicable to a well-rounded applicant. Um, now, just kind of going towards the paperwork of the whole thing. Somebody had asked, when do you complete the MSPE? Yes. Yeah, so usually around July is when our dean will open up a portal where you kind of fill out the application for the MSPE. So this used to be called the dean's letter. And what this is, is basically your summary of your entire medical school career and essentially a letter of endorsement by the dean. And this includes everything from how you did in the basic sciences Mm -hmm. to anything notable about you as a student to how you did in your clerkships. It also includes any feedback that you've received from your preceptors word for word. So this is, again, why it's so important that you rotate and do well on your rotations and leave a good impression because word for word, if let's say they say, hey, this student was late every day, that's going to be word for word in your MSPE. And that is one thing that is binding that they can't edit. So oh, really? It so is something it's not like that, a pick and choose sort of thing? No, no, like, no. Oh. Everything that is written about you in your letter from the um, preceptors when they fill out your evaluation at the end of the rotation is included in your MSPE. Oh, okay. Beyond that, your performance in the rotations, like if you did an honors or a um, high pass, things like that, that's also included. And then just a general summary by the dean, uh, Dr. Purcell, she will basically write a one-page kind of letter of endorsement and talk about kind of strengths that she's noticed in you as a student and things that you've contributed to the school in general. So you want to, in preparation for that letter, you want to make it easier for her to write that one page letter as opposed to who is that person or I really do not like this person. I somehow have to figure out how to write something (laughs) nice about them. And you know, their, their goal is to paint you in a way that you match, you know, it it looks good for the school when, when we match and we have a great match rate as, as a school. And we want to continue that. So things that we can do to help out the dean is filling out the application as soon as you can, because if you're filling it out the day before the deadline, that's going to stress them out. You'll also need your most updated CV. So documenting the things that you've completed as a medical student, like if you've done research, leadership, etc. Beyond that, you'll need a headshot, so a nice business tire picture, so she knows and kind of puts a face to the name. And also you'll need to note three attributes about yourself that you want her to kind of include. So let's say you are a first-generation medical student, or maybe a first-generation American, or maybe you are a cancer survivor and now you're a medical student, or maybe uh, you were able to pass your classes while you suffered from COVID. (laughs) You know, these types of things uh, can be highlighted and you get three chance, you get three blank spaces in the application to include these things. So maybe you started a club on campus, or uh, maybe you run a podcast and it's contributed <laughs> to your uh, medical education. These are all things that you can highlight, and she'll mention them in your in your application. 
Awesome. I get my, my final question is just going to be a very generic one. You, you're choosing internal medicine. Why, mm -hmm. why are you choosing internal medicine? Well, uh, it's kind of two parts. So I used to work as a veterinary technician before medical school. It's uh, okay. hard work. <laughs> I received a lot of training, not only on the veterinary surgical side, but also on the medical side. And that really opened my eyes to know that I was not interested in being in the surgical suite at all. <laughs> I, oh, okay. I realized that I really like the medical side. I like the interactions with the patients. I enjoy uh, kind of diving into the disease and trying to help these people. Um, beyond that, um, actually during my rotations is where it even more solidified my interest in medicine because I really enjoy being at the bedside with the patient. I enjoy going into the rooms, meeting with the family members, meeting with the, uh, with the hospitalized patient, and actually talking with them and explaining why they're in the hospital, what procedures they're going to undergo that day, what tests they have lined up, and kind of explain everything to them. And being that centralized hub for the patient is something that I really enjoy. And whether I go into subspecialty or if I pursue hospital medicine, right now uh, I'm more leaning towards uh, hospital medicine because as an older applicant, I'm finding, as and even as a medical student, I'm really enjoying that management of the hospitalized patient. I, I really love it. When you say older, how, how old are you? I'm almost 34. So I'll almost be 34 Okay, so we're about the same age. Yep. You're a little bit further along than I am, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again so much, Matt. I know you had a lot going on. You just fourth year, all these interviews, family time. And yep. this is, of course, like the week before Christmas. So Yes. <laughs> well, it was great being here. And, and again, anybody that has questions can reach out. Um, yeah, if, if you can, again, the biggest thing is is try and make it easier for our admin at the school because if you can get these things like your third midway through your third year, having your fourth year schedule built out or submitting the MSPE uh, form as soon as possible. Those things help streamline the process and then everybody benefits. And for instance, midway through my third rotation, I was already talking with the clerkship providers, letting them know what I was interested in and actually kind of building out my elective schedule. So right when I finished that third shelf, I had it submitted and met with Dr. Zubro and had things built out. And again, if you're looking at doing away rotations, looking either directly with the hospital or through a website called Clinician Nexus, you can also schedule them through our clerkship office. We have some uh, of the uh, clerkship coordinators that schedule us aways as well. All of that is uh, something to consider. And also, there's no penalty that if you, let's say, you finish all of your rotations and you're still not sold on one specialty, you can take some time, prepare for step two, and really think about what you want to do as a student and as a future physician, and take that time to really, uh, you know, build out your elective schedule in that case. Yeah, great. Well, thank you again, Matt, and you have a good rest of your week. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Matthew Barbo. Again, special thanks to him for taking the time out of his day and out of his busy schedule to meet with me and talk and just share his knowledge with you, the listeners. If you do want to learn a little bit more about us, you can find us on Instagram, MedFamilyMD, 
and then I think Karen controls that. So if you have any questions, she can send them to me or she can answer them, whatever it is. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and Amazon. So if you want to rate us a five-star on Apple podcast, that would be very helpful for the show. We'll be back again next week to talk a little bit more about the day-to-day, what's going on. I hope you enjoyed it, and you guys have a great holiday season.